You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. The podcast about Broadway flops, scandals, and new work. I'm your host, Ebony Vines. And I'm your host, Pamela Shandro. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Theater Geeks Anonymous podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast listening apps. Thank you. Here we go. Here we uh, go. Oh, they okay. That was good. It was right on cue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll man. be muting of the majority. So, if audience, you don't hear me for a while, it's because the dogs are barking. <laughs> but I'm still listening. <laughs> so, you're gonna start us off. Welcome. What's up, theater geeks? What is up? What is up? What is up? Now they're just staring at me. What is up? They're like, what is I up with you? There was a way to have like, so people could just see like all these dogs <laughs> just staring at her. That would be such a funny, like we need to make a meme or a gif out of it or something. There is a goodly amount of dogs in my apartment. Yeah. It's like six today. Six total. Yeah. And one of them's on her lap and she's yeah. really cute. Her name's Phoebe and her ears are sticking up and she's just staring at all the others. She's just, yeah, she's working it out. Yeah. <laughs> she's trying to like she's like if I ran really fast could I jump over that gate and open yeah. the door myself yeah. <laughs> she's plotting her next escape <laughs> she's a trip man she's very cute though she is cute she's sweet she's growing on me I think I'm growing on her <laughs> sometimes it takes a while <laughs> yeah yeah well folks yeah uh, this is one of our OG type episodes Woo! and, um, it's mine and Yay! <laughs> we're been doing... a while since we've heard from you. It's, yeah. I mean, I, I basically lead the intermissions. Yeah. So but like it, in a, know. in an OG episode, it's been yeah, an OG episode way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do a musical called one night stand. <laughs> I can't wait. I don't know anything about it. I promise. It's not as sexy as it sounds. <laughs> I promise you. It's not. Not at right. all. Um, all right. One night stand. <laughs> this was a real, you know, had it had its ups and downs. Okay. Uh nobody's criminalized, you know. Okay. So this will not be a true crime episode. <laughs> uh, although I love those. 
totally Those might be my favorite well that's where the meat is it and that's truly. where the story just keeps on giving it really is it really oh man I love a it's it's like when like my two favorite things theater and true crime when they mm-hmm. intermingle it's just like it's like the best oh, ooh, it's nice it scratches a bunch of itches it really does mm. <laughs> But that's not this week's episode, but it's, it's also, it's interesting. I promise. Okay, I can't wait. So uh, some of my resources are the June 27th, 1980 New York Times article called One Night Stand Due at Nederlander, formerly Trafalgar by John Corey, Wikipedia, uh, the October 27th, 1980 New York Times um, article, also the book the complete book of 1980s Broadway musicals by Dan Dietz and Ken Mandelbaum's Not Since Carrie. There are other resources in here as well, but they're going to be in the body of uh, what I'm talking about. So I will reference them on in the minute. Okay. All right, let's do it. So we're starting off already. One night stand wanted to be an adaptation of the 1962 play A Thousand Clowns by Herb Gardner. It wanted to be, it is not. So here's what happened. Now, the, the, the play A Thousand Clowns tells the story of Murray Burns, an eccentric unemployed television comedy writer who lives in a studio apartment in New York City with his 12-year-old nephew, Nick. Now his 12-year-old nephew was literally just dropped off by his sister. Um, She said she was going down for cigarettes and then just came back like six years later for her suitcase and something else, like two items that she dropped her son off with, but not actually her son. Okay, not so, actually her son. No, she didn't come back for her son. She just came back oh, for the whoa. items that I she, thought you were saying that it wasn't actually her son that no, she had left with him. <laughs> no, it was actually okay. her son, but she came back six years right. after dropping him off for the stuff she left. Right. Right. But not her but son. But not not the kid. No. Nope. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Murray is confronted by social services after his nephew writes a paper about the benefits of living on unemployment for a school assignment. and so his his nephew is really smart this kid um there's a movie version which i will go into but the the movie version this kid he's i loved him he's like one of those precocious like children who it's like actually there's like a 60 year old man trapped inside his body do you know what I mean I, I do love know those what you kids. mean yep I love those kids and that's like how we every is. kid in a movie or tv show in the 80s and 90s was that kid <laughs> right 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 and uh so but this is like um the 60s when this play and the movie happen and so but he is he's just like more mature than his uncle. And, you know, he's just, he's an old soul. I love him. Um, in order to keep custody of his nephew, um, and have a job, he is forced to conform to society and give up his desire to be, uh, to not be conventional or conformist. And so, um, uh, it that that when you read the synopsis, y'all can go on Wikipedia and I'll give a full synopsis. It really left me sad because I I did I do understand like he the character's a bit 
petty, right? Like mm-hmm. he's trying to, he's saying like he doesn't want to conform and he, the, the, he, the movie opens by him sort of making fun of, not even making fun, but he's just like showing his nephew the people who are going to work and it's sort of a rat race and like the way it's directed is, you know, playing up the rat raceness of it. And, um, but the thing is, is like, I totally understand like artiste. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, you want to be somebody who has something to say, who's really contributing to society, Mm -hmm. but like, also you have to pay your bills, which, (laughs) you know, is like the constant battle. You know what I mean? That's like the thing that, that we all would love it. If just our, 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 our artistry could pay the bills, but that's just not how it always works. Sometimes you have to do something that you don't necessarily love to pay the bills so you can do the thing you love on. Sometimes you have to, that's like grown-upness. That's okay. being an adult. Yeah, it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so like I said, the play was turned into a film. It was a 1965 film where Jason Robards played Murray Burns and Martin Balsam played Murray's brother and agent Arnold for which Martin won Best Supporting Actor Academy Award. The film was nominated for four Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Score, and Best Screenplay, and of course, as I said, Supporting Actor. Um, all right, so that, now the play, A Thousand Clowns, premiered on Broadway at the Eugene O'Neill Theater on April 4th, 1962. Um, it began previews Yes. Sorry. April 4th, 1962 is when it began previews. It officially opened on April 5th of 1962 and closed on April 13th of 1963 after 428 performances. It was directed by Fred Coe, who also directed the movie. Okay. The cast featured Jason Robarts. Yeah. So he just reprised his role as Murray Burns. Sandy Dennis was Sandra Markowitz. Gene Sachs was Leo Herman, Barry Gordon was Nick Burns, and Will Daniels was Albert um, Amundsen. Um, he also did the movie. Okay. Friends, do you know Will Daniels? No. I know I, I should now that as, as you're asking that question. I mean, let's put aside 1776. Okay. Let's put aside The Graduate. Okay. Let's talk about childhood and talk about how that's Mr. Feeney. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney. Yes, I never Mr. really Feeney. knew his real name. Yep. Will Daniels. He's wonderful. Yes, he is. When, okay, first of all, I love him as Mr. Feeney, but when I did see him in 1776, uh-huh. I was like, I'm sorry, Mr. Feeney can sing? Yes. <laughs> Mr. Feeney can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Will Daniels, that's his name. Okay. Yeah. I'm yep. with you. <laughs> um, and then Larry Haynes played Arnold Burns. Sets and lighting were by George Jenkins and costumes were by Ruth Morley. Um, so the play was nominated for three Tony Awards, including Best Play, Best Featured Actor in a Play for Barry Gordon, who played Nick Burns, and it won Best Featured Actress in a Play for Sandy Dennis, who played Sandra Markowitz. Okay. Um, It also had a tour, and the one thing I do want to talk about, the tour. Oh, it had a tour, 
Uh, but then it returned to Broadway again in 2001. Oh. It was at the Long Acre, previews July 4th, 2001, officially opened July 11th and closed on September 23rd, 2001, after 83 performances. <laughs> the revival starred Tom Selleck. As wow. Curry from- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Barbara Garrick as Sandra Markowitz, Mark Blum as Leo Herman, Nicholas King as Nick Burns, Bradford Cover as Albert Amundsen, and the late, great Robert Lapone as Arnold Burns. Robert just passed away like yeah. two weeks ago. Bless his soul. Wow. Yeah. And how long did that second run last? It was only 83 perform- performances. Okay. It it was not, it wasn't a hit. The first one did much better at over 400 performances. Yeah, that's nothing to sneeze at. When no. you said it was, it was over, it was exactly, like almost exactly a year. Yeah. I mean, it, so it was 80. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Almost exactly a year. And the, the revival was only a few months. Um, okay. So, so. As I said, One Night Stand was supposed to be a thousand clowns. It's not. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and so I just want to give you that backstory because when you listen to the synopsis, it's kind of fun, right? Yeah. And I watched I the movie's just like on YouTube. Like it's just on YouTube for free. And I watched three quarters of it. I just didn't have enough time to like finish it because it is like two hours. Mm. But it's kind of fun. It really is. It's kind of fun. Jason Robards and the young man who plays Nick, like they have just like a really snappy rapport. It's like, mm-hmm. in, I, fi- I found it enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I did. And the, uh, the other reason I'm glad I watched it is because it g- gave me an understanding of um, the playwright Herb Gardner's comedy. Okay. And to understand, like you need that to kind of understand like, because the synopsis is um, for One Night Stand is a bit dark. It's not mm. as dark as the last thing we just recorded. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, it it's still like, huh? You know, yeah. kind of a thing. So, but it did, it, it's his comedy is a little bit offbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know. It seems farcical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it was definitely, I found... I found as much of the movie as I was able to watch. I found it enjoyable. Okay. Okay. So I, you know how I love my titles. This title is the clowns go to Broadway. (laughs) So eight years after Julie Stein's show sugar based on the film, some like it hot was on Broadway. He approached Herb Gardner about making a thousand clowns into a musical instead Herb presented the synopsis for One Night Stand. The premise was that a successful stage and film composer would invite the audience to an evening of entertainment, followed by his suicide at 10 p.m. The songs and dances would precede the suicide to explain what had gone wrong. The show that he was presenting, would he, he wanted it to be called Now! Exclamation point, no joke. And he was hoping that um, somebody would also want to produce it. I'm guessing posthumously because he was planning to be dead after he presented it. So strange. I'm. I'm... (laughs) Uh huh. 
Uh-huh. Be I'm, baffled. Uh, that yeah. is the correct response. Okay. Because I I feel like I listened to that and I took all of your words in, but somehow I'm missing something. <laughs> I mean, if you have a question, ask it. I'll try. But you know, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fascinated to to listen to more. <laughs> yeah. So then if you go to juliestein.com, his synopsis on the website is a playwright at the end of his emotional tether contemplates taking his own life, but through connection with a beautiful actress and with the support of a wild cast of characters, our hero finds the courage to face his art in his life and move forward, which I okay. find is a better synopsis. That is a better synopsis because yeah, yeah. if his so-called support system is coming to see a show in which he will kill himself at the end. They are not a support system. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I believe what, you know, what I sort of seduced is like, of, or not seduced. <laughs> deduced. I don't know. That was I a know. Slip. I know. In, in, <laughs> usually one night stand is like sexier. This is not, this it's is not. pretty not. It doesn't sound very sexy. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But like, I would gather the audience, of course, didn't know he was going to, uh, he was planning to take his life at the end of it. He just was. Right. I'm um, going to, you know, so. All right. All right. So Julie Stein wrote the music and Herb Gardner wrote the book and lyrics, which would be, and this would be his first musical. They recruited John Dexter to direct and they sought out Elliot Gould and Jack Albertson sorry, Albertson for the lead roles, but they were unable to get them. Oh, the creative, okay. yeah. The creative team and producers chose not to do, and this is the thing we always say is like the problem. They chose not to do an out of town try. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. And had previews scheduled for October 20th through November 8th of 1980. Okay. The show was budgeted for $1 million. Uh, the producers insisted that Herb's book was strong enough to be done as a straight play and that Julie Stein hadn't written a bad score in his life. And this you can pick up for, I have the New York Times time machine. And so that's from one of the 1980 articles that I referenced. Now okay. I'm going to tell you um, the cast. So we had um, Charles Kim Kimbra as Charlie, Jack Weston as Eddie, Christopher Balcom as young Charlie, Thomas Barber was the stage manager. Paul Benotto was Jerry. Stephen Book, Book, Bookvar was young Eddie. <laughs> Carrie Casserly was Susie. Catherine Cox was Amanda Klein. Ida Gil Gilliams was Susie. Charles Levin was Sid. And then there's a, a lot of ensemble people. Nobody sounds like somebody I think I know. Okay. Um, and then for production staff, we have producers. This is important because we'll talk about some other things about them later. Yeah. But it was produced by Joseph Kipnis, Lester Osterman, Joan Coleman, James M. Niederlander, and Alfred Tabam, Tobman. Sorry, Tubman. <laughs> uh, musical direction was by Eric Stern. Music was orchestrated by Philip J. Lang and dance arrangements were by Marvin Laird. Uh, the choreographer was Peter Gennaro. And 
Scenic design was by Robin Wagner. Costumes were by Patricia Zipret. Okay. So as I stated before, the producers who made those statements were particularly Joseph Kipnis, um, Lester Osterman, and James M. Niederlander. Um, the Niederlander Theater had at this time, like this was the inaugural show after had, it had been renamed as the Niederlander Theater, which is what we call it now. Right. Um, the year, the season before that, it was called Trafalgar because they were trying to make it exclusively British. <laughs> oh, okay. So it was meant to have like, just like British plays and musicals yeah. and stuff in it. I mean- um, short-sighted yeah I mean the the director was British and so they did have to like send people over to him to see if they if he liked them for parts mm -hmm. and things so this this did kind of end up being like a British American co-production in okay. some ways um but of course I mean it it was it was totally that's short-sighted I agree <laughs> Uh, all right. So the show closed on October 25th after just eight preview performances at the Niederlander Theater. Okay. So it didn't open. It only made it through eight, eight previews. Wow. Um, again, we always say this, like you really should have a tryout. Right. You do the out-of-town tryout so that you can work out any kinks that are in the show, but you're doing it outside of the Broadway audience and in the hands of another audience that's still savvy enough to let you know what will or will not work on the Broadway stage. Yes. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Um, I am going to read a little bit from... Uh, the Broadway, what is it? The, the complete book of 1980s Broadway musicals. Uh, despite its brief run, the cast album was recorded by original cast records. The score was at best serviceable, but it contained one standout number in Charlie's, Too Old to Be So Young. The recording omitted four songs, Everybody Loves Me, Getting Some, We Used to Talk Once, and the now dance and added to let me hear you love me and don't kick my dreams around. There was a time was originally written as with love lyrics by Leslie Bricus for Stein's unproduced 1975 musical Serafina, which was based on Tennessee Williams 1951 drama, the Rose Tattoo. Someday soon was, re was, revi was a revised version of Ugly Ugly Gal which had been cut from Hallelujah Baby in, from 1967. And the music uh, for you had been heard as Kick the Door, which had been dropped from Look to the Lilies, a 1970 musical. Now, this little bit, I was like, ooh, what's this other show? One Night Stand shouldn't be confused with Turtlenecks. I have never heard of Turtlenecks. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, Turtlenecks, AKA The One Night Stand by Bruce J. Friedman, and Jacques Levy, which huh. closed during its pre-Broadway tryout. When the play began its seven-week tour, it was known as Turtlenecks, but when it closed, the title had been changed to The One Night Stand. Huh. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we won't confuse it then. 
We, I know. <laughs> We've never heard of it. We've never heard of it. Um, the, the cast recording, you know, you can get on Amazon and different places in CD form. I did not find a digital version, so I was unable to listen to it. Um, which is unfortunate because I feel like I would have liked to listen to it. And yeah, one of the things they're really excited about is that um, they felt like in in the June 27th, 1980, New York Times article, they said. Um, they said that the musical uh, it's a show business musical. Right. But then the producers were like, but also it's serious. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and so, um, I, but I, I feel like hopefully, you know, these, the songs would remind, remind us, you know, about how difficult it can be, you know, to be a creator, Yeah. even if, you know, and in, in the case of this main character, he was successful. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean happiness. Like I have yeah. this conversation with my friends whenever we lose somebody, that we really loved in entertainment who dies by suicide. Mm. And, you know, I feel like I repeatedly have this conversation where people don't understand why somebody who had fame and fortune would die by suicide. And I'm like, that doesn't equal happiness. Also no. depression, also so many things, so well, many also, factors. Like, you get some level of success, but now there's pressure to that's be right. successful now constantly. And it's, that's not how a creative field works. Right. Right. There, there's a real um, naivete. Mm. I think a lot of people have, even people who want to be, have careers in this industry, there's just like a real naivety around what it looks like to be quote unquote successful mm -hmm. and what that is going to do for you. Right. You know, um, it's, I, I don't, it's not, nothing fixes everything. No, it's just like, there's not a thing in the world that will fix everything. There's not. Well, no. Well, and if you're, if you're constantly looking for that next, if I'm saying, if I only get the job, then that'll fix everything. Well, mm -hmm. then once I get the job, it's going to be something else that fixes everything. It's, it's yeah. a constant, you, you have to fix yourself. That's right. Because every, what, what do they say? Everywhere where you, everywhere you go, you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, You're the only common denominator. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. And that's you know, difficult so, to hear, certainly, but. But it's the truth. Yeah. It's absolutely the truth. Yeah. Um, um, and then what I, <laughs> so some of the problems there the also, so I found this quote from Joseph Hipness's, um, actually I found it from hit from the Ken Mandelbaum book, not since Carrie it says okay. co-producer Joseph Kipnis told the press Gardner and Dexter could not agree on one thing and there was nothing the producers could do about it. Oh, yikes. <laughs> so this, this was not, this was not a harmonious set. No. Um, Gardner was the writer who was Dexter remind me the director. Oh, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, From the book hard. show. Yeah, it really is. From the book show tunes, the songs, shows, and careers of Broadway's major composers by Stephen Suskin. He says, one night stand closed after eight previews. This strange project about a composer planning his own suicide was underwritten and underdeveloped. Lyricist, librettist, Herb Gardner was an award-winning playwright who'd never written a musical and John and director John Dexter was also an, an expert at the form. Both had outsized egos, both disagreed on everything and neither could be easily fired. So yeah. much for one night stand, although Stein wrote one final, especially good song, the jazzy too old to be so young. Yeah, that's that's his little bit about that <laughs> musical. That's it. That's hard, right? Yeah. Because yeah. like you know, you're so good. And this goes for both of them, mm-hmm, Gardner and mm-hmm. Dexter. You're so good at what you do, but you're not doing that now. So there has to be some room for humility. Right. <laughs> right. And mm. it's just like these egos, Yeah, you know, they get into the room, they suck up all the oxygen, they take up all the space. Mm-hmm. And what's what I find so interesting is, you know, the person with the most experience with the Tonys and everything, Julie Stein, mm-hmm. there's no talk of him not getting along with people. Right. <laughs> right. So it's like the one person who I guess could like technically have the biggest ego. He had or, enough or, room for other folks the very to be least, in the room. Right. He could have taken the lead on it. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, that's just what's really interesting to me is like, it doesn't sound like it was an amazing show because also right. Ken Man- Mandelbaum spoke similarly to what Stephen Suskin said. Okay. Um, But I, you know, I think that things could have been helped <laughs> if people were willing to collaborate since theater is all about collaboration right sad yeah well and especially because like if 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 Herb Gardner is as good a writer as we are led to believe by Mm -hmm. all that's written here yeah yeah then all he needed to do was be open to bringing it into a different form like it's not it 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 wouldn't have been it it would have been much more successful I should say if he had just been like okay here I am and here's my work what do I need to do with it right you know and so if like if the book was good enough to be a play it's it's you know for him it's like one of those things where he's so used to just sort of working on his own Mm -hmm. you know and so with a director, especially between the book writer and the director is yeah. really a, like a tight collaboration because mm-hmm. you are creating the story together. And so yeah. you need to be able to like, listen to each other and work together. And yeah. like, when the director's like, this doesn't, nest, this doesn't work for the stage, then like, as the writer, you have to say, okay, how can I make this work? How can mm-hmm. I make sure the actors are having breathing time? How can I make right. sure there's the costume change? How can I make sure, you know, right. any number of things that have to be included right. when you're talking about a musical, right? Yes. And so, you know, when you have somebody who's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything you say. Mm-hmm. No, it's good the way it is. 
Yeah. Not changing anything. That's not. <laughs> well, not then you've got, you've got as bombastic a director then who says, you're going to change what I tell you to change. Yeah. Yep. Because, yeah, I mean, egos definitely, if you've got two big egos, they definitely will just suck the air out of the room. But what right. they also do is cause each other to get even bigger and even yes. more inflamed. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Not fun. Not fun at all. <laughs> Not fun at all. You know, and I, I'm, I, the synopsis is a little strange, but I also kind of find it interesting. You know, it's, it's like, it's a very eighties formula right. movie like that. Well, it, there's a not, lot of plays like that, right? right. Like where, yeah, yeah. where somebody has decided by the end of the play, they're going to kill themselves. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Right. Um, you know, and it sounds like from Julie Stein's synopsis on the website, um, that, you know, it, it ends happily. Right. But <laughs> Uh, you know, that's, I, I'm always interested in this. Like, I, I, I wish there was somebody that we could talk to and mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm curious, like maybe behind the curtain has somebody who probably was like, oh yeah, you know, those guys probably have somebody who was like involved at some point <laughs> and probably has some like, you know, juicy gossip to talk about right. like, how, what the room was like and stuff. Um, I'm really curious to know, if there's anything about how Julie Stein was handling these two, yeah. you know, bickering where also he's writing music for a show he didn't really want to do. Like right. he wanted to adapt a thousand clowns. He didn't want to do a new. Absolutely. Right. And, and also he's kind of plugging music into an already existing script. Right, right. So the collaboration that he is used to doing for musical theater is also kind of just out of whack. So right. he's probably, you know, it, it's probably best for him to just go off on his own, write the music and then come back, then go off on his own and change what needs to be changed and then come back. Yeah. It might, and, and it might've just been a paycheck for him. Maybe, and maybe he and Herb were fine. I mean, again, right? there's, no, there's no talk about the two of them not getting along. Yeah. I just am seeing a lot of talk yeah. about- Dexter and Gardner not getting along and that's that is just miserable. so unfortunate I know it's unfortunate for everybody because yeah. it affects the entire show yeah from the from the top all the way to the bottom mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so I mean of course it lost its whole one million dollar capitalization yeah <laughs> um, I was like one million that's not very much that's a yeah. great budget <laughs> but of course that's 1980 right right because remember <laughs> what what year yours was 93 mm -hmm. and it would have been 8 million yeah and they could only raise 4 million you know so yeah. it's like yeah no that's I am true. gonna um but I am curious what the inflation is for that well you and keep if that's talking at all comparable. And I'll look it up okay. what year in the 80s 1980 okay so um, this is like my last little piece. I, I, as I was like researching this, um, I found Joseph Kipnes's obituary. Okay. Now I know you're like, why, Ebony, why are we <laughs> no, talking it's, it's about It's an Joseph interesting Kipnes's resource. <laughs> obituary. This doesn't feel like it goes. Okay. But listen, <laughs> You know how we always talk about this show is there's a few things we hope you all glean from it. One is 
you get interested in a show you never heard of before and you fall down that rabbit hole and you like fall in love with it. Sometimes it's just to like, just learn about something new and just like have all of this like theater knowledge in your brain, you know, or, and some, and, and, and so much of the time, like 99% of the time, it's like when we're talking about these shows and you see people like Julie Stein, who we know for funny girl and gypsy and so many things we absolutely love. Mm -hmm. And then we see like, he had a show that only had eight previews. Yeah. And it's that like, don't give upness that we're always trying to. Absolutely. We're always trying to support you all to just not give up on the dream, whatever it is. Well, Joseph Kipnis is like, he's basically like the patron saint of this episode because that is like his whole life. Right. And so when I was looking for stuff and I found his, his, um, his obituary, I just found he just like, he, he seemed like so sweet. I mean, he, he died the year I was born, Mm. you know? Um, so Joseph Kipnis was a Russian immigrant with no formal education. Mr. Kipnis produced nearly 30 Broadway productions, mostly musicals, even though many were not successful and lost a great deal of money for himself and his investors. Mr. Kipnis remained unabashedly stage struck. After the overnight failure of Frankenstein in 1980. So 1980 was not a great year for Mr. Kipnis. (laughs) No, apparently not. (laughs) Mr. Kipnis appeared undaunted by the fact that $2 million went down with the show. He said, darling, the theater, despite everything, has given me more happiness than I ever received in my life from anything. I'm going to do other shows. I'll do it until I die. And he did. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my, I just want to leave on that note. Cause yeah. I was just like, I, I feel like <laughs> he was the ultimate theater geek. Yeah, absolutely. Theater yeah. is not, it's not something that you just go into if you yeah. just want a job, right? Yeah. yeah. You're called to it. It's a That's calling. Right. That's right. It's something that if you could do anything else, you wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Cuz it's hard. I'm yeah. in the process, you know, I'm I'm in that place where I'm not doing it because it got to be it got to a point where it was not what I wanted at that at in that moment. It was hard. It made me feel a certain way like that, you know, it's just what it is. I'm sure mm-hmm. you've had those moments where you're like, "I I don't even want to talk to you about producing right now. I'm putting it on the back burner because I can't. I can't." But then you all, like, we always come back to it. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's in your soul. And it seems to me like this, this particular guy, he just had it in his soul so hard that he just had to do it. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Because in the doing it, he also gave opportunities to hundreds of thousands. And we, I don't even know the number of people that he gave opportunities to. Yeah. Just in keeping on, keeping on. Yeah. In 30 years. And that he wasn't just a Broadway producer. It's also a restaurateur. There's a few other things he did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Really cool. That is nice. I did. I love that quote. I was like, man, that's just, that's this whole, that's theater geekness. That's right there. That's just that love (laughs) for it. Did you find out what a million dollars would be in uh, 2022 money? Yep. So from April 1980 to today in 2022, it would be $3.6 million dollars. 
that's still it's on the lower end. Level, I, I mean, think. like, yeah, it doesn't for, seem like it would be that much, but for a musical, I don't know. especially yeah. like yeah. musicals are double digits. Yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that was like that was the start of the bigger numbers, like the people putting more money into it. Like maybe, maybe. that was kind of the, the beginning of it. I, I looked at that particular year, 1980, because mm-hmm. like right next to a couple of the, I mean, the articles were not very big from the New York Times, um, but right next to it were like all the shows that were open at the time. So you had like Children of a Lesser God, James Earl Jones was in a play, you had an Alfred, uh, Arthur Miller play, I can't remember the <laughs> name right now, to yeah. save my life. Um but it was like, I was like, okay, so 1980 wasn't very bad, I think. No. Well, it wasn't it was bad like, for plays. Right. But there was like, Annie was there. Oh, okay. Evita was on there. Okay. Um, and then there was like a, a few other musicals. I was like, oh, Dancing. Okay. There's like a few other musicals. Yeah. So it was like 1980 itself mm-hmm. doesn't seem like it was horrible. I think it was like the other rest of the decade where it just yeah. kept going you know it was like not yeah. amazing because the 80s were not a highlight no year. wasn't a banner year y'all should know by listening to this podcast because we stay <laughs> in the 80s we have a we have just a file for 1980s shows yeah and it's long it's long it's the longest of yeah. the years yeah <laughs> Oh, what was the last one that we did just before the musical chairs, right? That was yeah. 1986, I believe. And like yeah. 1986 was like filled with episodes that we've already done. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Woof. Yeah. So craziness. I know there it is. There but it is. that's one night stand. Like I said, you can get the cast recording. Cool. Um, If you would like to listen to it. I wish it was on a streaming service because I don't know if I want to buy it because I don't right. know if I'm going to like it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, uh, the movie, like I said, it's on YouTube. Um, well, the movie of what it was supposed to be. Okay. okay is on YouTube. A Thousand Clowns with yeah. Jason Robards. Why did he change it? Well, I don't like all I read is just that like Herb wanted to do something else. He just wanted to do something else. This is what he wanted to do. And Julie went along with it. Um, Julie had had a string of flops. Mm. So he need like he did need to work, I think, is what a lot of uh, commentators have stated. And so I think in like the need to work, he sort of maybe let his guard down a little bit. Although, again, Mm. like I don't think this is terrible. Like I'm kind of interested to see what it what it was like. I, I didn't really find a clear synopsis and I think that's because they wanted to just, erase it it sure did it was like eight <laughs> yeah. previews and that was it you know um yeah. so huh you know I I but that everything I read like everything just said Herb wanted to do this instead of a yeah. thousand clowns interesting so there we'll it is. Never know. That's why we don't have a thousand clowns the musical. <laughs> well, someone needs to get on that. Yeah. Someone someone like, could get on that. It's I like mean, the odd couple. Like, right. Although I'm like, it's kind it's fine the way it is. 
Mm-hmm. Does it need to be musicalized? Do you know, perfectly honest, I wouldn't mind seeing the play A Thousand Clowns. Yeah. Like that sounds, and you know what, honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing the version that Herb Gardner wanted in play form. Yeah. Oh, well, he, right. I mean, you just would do his play. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's just, just like you know, a revival. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes music just doesn't work with, right. and it it doesn't mean, it doesn't matter who is working. We all know Julie Stein is an amazingly talented composer and lyricist. Do you like, mean a play version of One Night Stand? Is that yes. what you mean? Okay. Yes. yes. You said a thousand clowns. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Of one night stand. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if, um, you know, Joseph said that it was like it, the book could stand on its own as just right. like its own play, that would be interesting. Right. Absolutely. I really wish I could read the book of it. Well, then we, cause it's, it is interesting. It makes me think of Frank Wildhorn, you know, and how sometimes yeah. when he's doing a musical, he just kind of opens up his file cabinet of music that he's already written mm-hmm. and tries to put the music into the show. And sometimes it works really well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're like, um, that's out of place. That doesn't yeah. quite fit, you know? And that's, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. It's not saying that the song is good or bad. It's not saying that the musical is good or bad. It's not saying that the script is good or bad. It's just saying that it doesn't work together and so that is where the collaboration comes into play and that is where it's really important that you're open to criticism yeah in this business it's all about criticism and how you take it receive it and work with it yeah we you know true and it's hard because it is a very personal business it as the actor I am what I'm selling and if you Mm. don't want it you don't want me and that's hard to kind of reconcile with yourself sometimes right if the thing that you're selling is also yourself and your ability to uh get money and talk up a show and market and you know like all of that stuff and and also organize in a way that makes it conducive for that show to succeed right and if if someone isn't taking you up on your offer then to you it's that, well, I didn't, I didn't talk it up enough or I, maybe I didn't get my point across, but it's, right. it's personal. You, you take it personally. And I think in the case when, when you have had so much success, when you are surrounded by people that think that you're brilliant and have told you, yes, 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 you can do anything that you want. Then suddenly you you are confronted with something that is not as easy as your previous projects have been to you and your talent. And there's nothing wrong with that either. There, I'm a natural singer, but there are some songs that I can't sing without the need for some help. Yeah. But, you know, you get to that point and if your ego is so big that you're not allowing for any criticism to even penetrate that armor, then that's, that's, that's a failure right there. It's, right. it's not, you're not going to succeed if you've got that kind of an attitude, if yeah. you've closed yourself off to the process. That's true. Absolutely agree. Yeah. It's <laughs> hard though. It is hard though. Yeah. And then that is, you know, I, there are times where I, and this is where I think my faith comes into play as far as that is concerned. Mm-hmm. When someone is telling me something and I'm getting all like, if I'm getting upset and defensive about it, I kind of have to, like, if I'm feeling myself get to that point, I have to kind of step back and be like, what am I defending? (laughs) 
And there are some times when my defense is in the right because yeah. it's a toxic situation that I just need to get out of. But in a lot of the cases, it's simply that I'm feeling like I am being told that I'm not good enough or that I'm not enough for whatever the yeah. situation is. And that's never true, right? Because if I wasn't good enough or if I wasn't enough for the project at hand, I wouldn't have been hired for right. it. Right. So, and then it's like, okay, I'm going to talk myself down because this is all ego and I don't need to be, I don't need to take this. This isn't, right. so I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to come back into the situation and be like, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying. Let's mm -hmm. talk about how we can fix it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's hard. And sometimes it, it takes a higher being to allow me to get to that. Yes. Place. Yeah. Yep. I think, I think for a lot of us, mm -hmm. it's, it's just hard. Yeah. It's a process. It is. It is. Well, and it never gets easier. I think as you get older, it gets even harder. And as you've had more success, and I mentioned this before, as right. you've had more success, there is this pressure to continue to succeed and get better so that the level you're at is no longer good enough. You've got to get to the next level and then the mm -hmm. next level. And then suddenly you do feel so completely overwhelmed and imposter syndrome is real y'all yeah. you've never felt it before I, you're very lucky and very blessed because it is hard <laughs> the first week of any rehearsal i've ever been in i mm -hmm. will call my mom crying going why did they hire me i'm terrible and then the second week of rehearsal i'm like oh i got it <laughs> <laughs> But like, it's real. Like I, yeah. you know, you walk in going, oh, why did they choose me? Like, you're so excited when you get the phone call about the job in the first place. You're like, yes, I booked it. And then you get to actually do the job and you're like, oh, why did the, why? I'm, I don't belong here. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, it's a special kind of H-E double hockey sticks when <laughs> you're the person who started the thing. Yeah. And then you're like, oh my God, what am I going to let down all these people yes. who are expecting me to X, Y, or Z? And, you know, and, and I am very honest about like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm yeah. learning, I'm figuring mm -hmm. it out because I don't, I'm just like, let's not get disappointed in thinking I know everything and like know <laughs> what I'm doing. I don't. Right. Right. So I'm just going to let you know out of the gate, you yeah. know, that like, this is, we're figuring this out together. You're going to do the research. I'm going to do the research. We're going to figure it out. Right. And if you have a question that like, really, it's my job to answer. And I don't know the answer. I will have an answer for you. I will figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, but it's still like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm like, why did I choose this? <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to make stuff and ask all these people to give up their, what is wrong with me? This is the, this is the imposter well, all of the like, time. It's that it's like, how did I convince yeah. all of these people to have confidence in me when yeah. I don't have confidence in myself? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the ultimate con game, but you're doing it to yourself. <laughs> right. Like it's, it's craziness. But it really think, is. Yeah. Like in those moments though, I think it is really nice to remember that I, you're not doing it on your own. Yes. You may have started the project because right. you had the spark with the idea, right. but it's never just been you 
because if it was, you wouldn't have all of the people that have right. entered, right? Right, right, right. Totally. And the same totally. goes for me. Like I'm never on my own. When right. I enter a rehearsal, I'm working with a musical director, with a stage manager, with another right. director, with a choreographer. Like all of these people are there to help me succeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the cast. I mean, like it's not, it's never, you're never on your own. No, no, you're not. You're not. And that's the thing. That's the thing to remember. I, I I was, I was saying to a friend this week, um, (laughs) we were talking about like true crime and particularly con artists, you know, the Anna Delvey's and the Tinder swindlers and the love cons of the world. Yeah. And I said, I, sometimes I wish I had like one, one hundredth of the straight up, like, (laughs) like they just have believe they are whoever they've made yeah. up, right? They've just made up themselves to be yeah. people that they're not at all. And they are so confident that they will be able to convince anybody yeah. they are who they say they are and, <laughs> and get millions of dollars for it. Yeah. I was like, if I just had one 100. And I was like, and what I'm trying to get, it's like real. Yeah. Like my stuff's real. Mm-hmm. Like there will be a film at the end of this, not a fake <laughs> film, like the, the movie cons, you know what I mean? Yes. Like there will be a benefit production at the end of this and yes. these organizations will get their money. You like, will that's... have something tangible. Yes. <laughs> By the end of this. Yeah. You know, the thing is like, so Ebony, crazy. You do have a 100th of that confidence because if you didn't, you wouldn't have had the confidence to even take the first step in the projects that you are now a part of. So maybe I need one fiftieth because I needed a smidge more. <laughs> <laughs> Just a skosh. Just, Just a skosh more. more. Slight like sprinkling, if you will. <laughs> yeah, not too much because I don't want to be a psychopath, but like just. <laughs> yeah. Just like a little bit more for, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the, and this is something that I, I kind of, I knew, but I learned again when I was nannying Mm -hmm. that just because I'm the adult doesn't mean I'm infallible. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and I think it was more important in the moments that I did make mistakes that I sat him down and I said, hey, guess what? Mm -hmm. That was my fault. That was on me. And I'm really sorry about it. I need to make that right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Because then I'm, he can model that I can modeling that behavior for him. Right. Right. And the same is true of the fields that we are in. Right. If I walked in with all the confidence in the world and everyone thought that I was set and ready to go and I didn't need to be worked with, then I would fail because no one would be working with me on the things that I knew I needed to have worked on. Right. But if I come into the room with the confidence of what I did bring with me, but everything else is a big question mark and I'm okay saying that, yeah. then we're all great. We're all mm-hmm. on the same page and we can all move forward. There are these moments when you're working in a choir <clears throat> and you're working uh, on your single parts, right? So mm-hmm. they'll sing through all of the bass notes first, and then they'll add the tenors, and then they'll work with the altos, and then they'll work with sopranos, and then everyone comes together and they all sing the part, right? Right, right. And there are moments at the end of working on those sections where the musical director will say, 
does anyone have any questions? And part of you in yeah. the group, A, doesn't want to be the only person right. that want, that has a question that doesn't understand what they're doing. Yeah. And that B, wants to succeed no matter the consequence. But the consequence is that when all of the parts come together, it doesn't sound good because there are still parts that are up in the air that haven't been learned and solidified. Right. Right. So when the director says, when the musical director says, are there any questions? I am always the first to raise my hand and be like, can we please just run this once more just to solidify? And that opens the door for everybody else to be like, yeah, I had a question about this particular part too. You know what? It's like when, when one person kind of takes that first step, it, Mm -hmm. it grants everybody else permission because then nobody feels like they're the stupid one. Right. That's what we're all afraid of, even though yeah. we're all, we all have the question. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's, and that's, we're all the stupid one. No. That's the biggest con we're of not. them all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. And in a dance call, forget it. I'm like, <laughs> ra- I'm raising my hand every five seconds. I'm yeah. going, wait, I'm sorry. I did not get that. <laughs> that's what booked me wicked. I'm sure. Cause it was the dance call and we were like, you know, trying to learn dancing through life. And I'm like, I have a mental block and an emotional block with dance calls because, mm-hmm. and this is trauma coming from, a, from a long time ago, right? From everybody who called me fat, everyone who said I wasn't good enough, everyone who said, oh, well, you'll work when you're older, but not yet. You need to, you know, you'll, you're just, you look too old. You are, you're too this, you're too that you're not enough this, right? And so I convinced myself along the way, well, I'm the fat girl, so I'm not a, I'm not going to be a good dancer. Yeah. It's just, that's the way it works. Right. 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 But that's not the way it works. That's silly. And that's, right. sh- that's short-sighted. And that's also like, that's on me. I need to like break free of that. But when I would go to these dance calls as confident as I was in the singing portion, yeah. when I would get to the dance call everything broke and fell apart and I was shattered. Right. Mm -hmm. It was, and, and, and it was a self-fulfilling prophecy because I would just fail and leave, not get the role and be dejected. Right. Like it was just, this was the process, (laughs) but I had, and I had just a week prior to the wicked dance call had a terrible dance call, which I won't go into detail about. No, it was terrible because I wasn't expecting it to be as dance dance call as it was. Yeah. And it was like, it was full on Rob Ashford. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There was no, whoops. There was no mistaking this. No, I'm not a Rob Ashford dancer. (laughs) Cause that's, he expects the same level of danceability from everybody on that stage, whether you are there as a singing call or a dance call. Right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was terrible. And I, it was awful. And I left and I was like, well, that's boo, boo on that. (laughs) And so then a week later, when the same casting office called about a different dance call for Wicked, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it was nice knowing (laughs) you. But I hung up the phone and I was like, listen, if I'm going to do this, I've got to at least come at it from a place where I feel comfortable. Yeah. So I went to Lululemon and I bought myself a little outfit that I could wear and feel like I looked good. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I was praying, 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 but also, <laughs> you know, like I walked in the room and I was like, 
I'm just going to have fun. And mm-hmm. anytime during the dance call, I felt like I was getting in my head or like upset. Like I would, my, like I, I'm doing this thing where I'm lifting my hands up to yeah, my chin yeah. and just shaking my hands. Our podcasters like, can't see. I know. I wish that I could <laughs> share that with you, but like, I think everyone knows that feeling where yeah. are, your anxiety is already in your chest and it just starts to rise up your throat and is going to exit your mouth with tears. Anytime that would happen, I would just, I would say a quick prayer. I was like, Lord, just help me to have fun. And I would shake it off and we would continue. But all through the course of that dance call, I would be raising my hand going, I'm sorry, can you please show me that one more time? And I remember at one point, Patrick McCollum, he was the choreographer at the time. He was, he was so, so kind and so supportive. He wanted you to succeed. You could just feel it. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, you know, at one point I was like, I'm so sorry. Can you please show me that again? I don't think I'm getting it. And he said, well, show me what you're doing. And I showed him. And then he goes, oh, well, do this instead. And he gave me a specific tweak, a specific way to think about the movement. And I did it. He goes, that's exactly right. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. And mm-hmm. it was like, from that point on, it was like, oh, okay. This is just like any other day. Yeah. I, I, if I put so much importance on something, then of course it's going to feel like at the end of it, I've failed miserably, but like, no, this is just another it's just another audition. This is just another dance and it's fun and I should have fun. And I love this music and this guy is great. And the rest of the people that are in this room with me are, are just really sweet people. So I'm just going to be here. I'm going to be present. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the dance call, I was like, I did not book that, but that was so fun. Mm-hmm. And then I booked it yeah. <laughs> and it was like, Oh my gosh. Like if this isn't a life lesson wrapped up with a nice, pretty bow for me, yeah. I don't know what is. And it's just really that it's like you, you have to throw away all of the preconceived notions, all of the self-fulfilling prophecies, all Mm -hmm. of the years of trauma of elementary school, all of that (laughs) stuff. And just like, really remember why you loved doing what you're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you don't love it, don't do it. That's right. And that's why I took a break. (laughs) <laughs> but I want to get back there because I, I, I do want love you it. Too, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that because I say that all the time. But yeah, <laughs> I want you to too. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dear friends. Yes. Thank you for listening to us. Two therapy sessions in one day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great night. You Why too. do I always say that stuff? I'm like, have a great day. Like, I mean, it they, is what it maybe is. They're, they, maybe they're listening. Well, not as many people commute anymore, but whoever oh, commutes, maybe they're listening to it on a commute. Hey, if you're on your way to your nine to five and you're like, oh, another Monday morning, I'm here to tell you to have a great day. <laughs> have a great day. Bye, Bye, geeks. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Theater Geeks Anonymous. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGABWAY and on Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous. And if you want to tell us how much you love us or you have a great story about one of the shows we've talked about, drop us a note at TGABWAY at gmail.com. Until Until next time, time, geeks. geeks. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.